With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome again to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Donald Mazzella, and I'm editorial director of Small Business Digest. We come to you through three media channels, here at Blog Talk Radio, through our online newsletters, and via our magazine. They are all now available available to you at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's www.smallbusinessdigest.net. Each hour here at Small Business Digest Radio, we hope to bring you information, strategies, and suggestions to help small small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are carefully chosen for their expertise or experience. They do not pay a fee or any other remuneration on this program, but rather are the choice our editors and readers identify as being important and providing good information for our listeners. If you have any suggestions or particular topics you want us to cover, please email us at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. Tonight's program, like all our efforts, have a wide diversity of guests talking about the topics you want to hear. In fact, we are going to be here for more than our usual hour to accommodate all of our guests. We start tonight with Guido Schultz of AFEX to discuss how small businesses can mitigate currency risk. The reason we invited Guido on the program is that small businesses are increasingly going overseas for sales and to source um, products and services. Guido, are you with us? I'm here, Don. Thank you. Okay. First, we always ask our uh uh, uh, our guest to give a little bit of background on yourself, uh, how you came to your position, and uh, just a little bit about yourself. Well, yeah, that's a long story. Uh, as you can hear from my accent, I am uh, German. I grew up in, in Germany and, and went to university there and came over to the United States in, in 1995 and uh, first was a visiting scholar at Notre Dame University and then um, made my way into the financial world. And uh, I started out uh, in the international payment space with a company named Rush International. Uh, that company was owned and managed by Otto Rush, who was truly a pioneer in the non-bank international payments field, and uh, then through acquisitions uh, worked for various other um, foreign currency and international payment providers and uh, ended up at AFEX in 2008 and have been with AFEX ever since. I'm the uh, global head of strategic management for AFEX, so I'm responsible for AFEX's product development, uh, the business strategy, global expansion, marketing, all those fun things. 
Well, that sounds exciting. So, um, uh, Gato, we're here because uh, small businesses are increasingly looking for international markets and, and to play in those fields. Tell us what the problems are and how, do you, and how they can mitigate their risk. Um, the first and foremost problem, I think, with uh, businesses engaging in international commerce is the fact that there is a risk, and, and that risk is, is quite grave, and that's the exchange rate risk. And um, the one mistake that we see, especially small and medium-sized business owners making on a regular basis, is that they think they can beat exchange rates. And as you and, and probably most of the listeners will know, uh, the foreign currency markets are very, very volatile. They move about 16,000 times a day. Uh, it is not unknown that uh, exchange rates can fluctuate to the tune of 2 or more percent during a volatile trading day. And um, the small business owners have that exposure if they have to pay invoices in foreign currency. And it's even there if they pay in U.S. dollars because their counterparty, their vendor overseas, has to set prices for them accordingly. And importers, um, they see that opportunity to make extra revenues by beating the foreign exchange markets. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do. There are very few people out there actually making money in those markets. And uh, therefore, a lot of small business owners adopt somewhat of a casino mentality and see the exchange rate as a way to um, tickle extra profit out of those transactions, and oftentimes they, they tend to fall on their faces. And uh, one stance that uh, we take in that business is rather to be conservative, to mitigate risk, to try to lock in rates ahead of time through products such as forward contracts, and to make the exposure to foreign currencies into a non-event to mitigate that risk as aggressively as possible. And uh, that's not a very, um, how shall I say, sexy way of going about it, but it's very important for small businesses to be aware of that risk and to be aware of the unpredictability of the foreign currency markets. So what does AFEX do to, to mitigate this uh, situation? AFEX, um, as a company, we, we are one of the largest um, global non-bank international payments providers. So we are not a bank. We specialize in uh, providing the uh, payment vehicles and then also risk management tools around that. There is, according to business needs, there is there's really a wide variety of um, different products that can be used to mitigate risk. For smaller businesses, usually a forward contract, which is locking in a rate for a given amount of currency at a date in the future, up to one year out in the future, is the best tool to mitigate that risk. Once you know what your exchange rate is going to be in the future, you can budget accordingly. Right? I mean, for example, if you have an importer uh, who imports trinkets from Europe and they're dependent on uh, paying their invoices in euro, and they have to uh, maintain their pricing in their online catalog, let's say, where, where they're re reselling their goods in the U.S. for a year. Uh, if they lock in most of the anticipated need ahead of time, then they can budget. They, they know what they're going to price their wares in U.S. dollars in, and um, they have effectively mitigated that foreign exchange risk.
And then there are well, many scenarios in between. Well, let me ask you this. Um, uh, I'm a small business. I decide I want to uh, import. Uh, I, I develop a product, and I want to uh, import it, let it, uh, have it made in China and imported to the United States to sell. Is that what I uh, uh, I would come to you and say, uh, I, uh, I expect to get the shipment, let's say, of March of next uh, next year? Uh, I can come to you and uh, get a rate so I know what that uh, 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 what, what I, it will cost me to to pay the the, the Chinese uh, uh, manufacturer. That's correct. That's correct. So we, we we can do that. That is that is what we do. What we do is usually it is either based on contracts ahead of time, the scenario that you described, or sometimes even um, people who have to import to manufacture overseas, they have to pay on a regular basis. So rather than locking in the, the, the rate for an entire year, we, we help them assessing exchange risk on a quarterly basis and um, stagger those forward contracts so that they are always covered for the time period that they're actually having to make these payments accordingly. And um, part of our value proposition is to work with our clients and advise them as to what product uh, might be most uh, fitting for their particular need, how to stagger those forward contracts, and uh, how to mitigate currency risk accordingly. We also provide market information. Uh, you know, looking at market trends and, and, and trying to give our clients an insight in you know, where the markets have been, where they might be going, and what is driving them currently. Well, um, what's the minimum amount that you uh, like to deal with? Uh, 25000 a $100,000? I mean, uh, some of our listeners are very small, some are a medium size, but uh, uh, the real novice in this is the really small companies, which is how I came to you because we, we had a question about it. Yeah, and that is we don't have any minimums. So you know, any any business that has a invoice to pay in foreign currency or receives foreign currency uh, can do business uh, with a company such as ours. Um, there are some companies out there that um, are looking at minimums to say they don't want to handle transactions that are less than $10,000 worth, but uh, we don't discriminate against even the smallest companies. The, the clientele that we serve, it, it is really running the gamut from very small, um, traditional, almost mom-and-pop shops to large multinational corporations. And it's important to give those smaller companies uh, a, a vehicle to have access to cutting-edge payment technology because that is their money, right? Well, um, if people want to get in touch with you or, or talk uh, your company, how do they do it? Uh, it's very easy. They can either call us in any one of our offices. Uh, we are present uh, as a truly global company. We have uh, presences in the U.S. We have three offices. We actually headquartered in Los Angeles. We have an office in Chicago and an office in London. We're in Europe, in uh, uh, in Malta. And we just opened up an office in Israel. We have an office in Switzerland, and we're also present in Australia in four different locations. And uh, we have a website that is called afex.com. Afex is A-F-E-X.com. And the contact information is uh, right on that website. You can go through the um, 
contact us section and go to the locale that's closest uh, to you. And um, as such, we would have one of our portfolio managers contact you and um, you know, see if we can work with you. Well, uh, Gato, thank you. And uh, uh, you really, really helped me better understand what's going on, and I hope our listeners as well. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. We look forward to having you again. Sounds great. Next, Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Next up is Douglas Crone, who developed Leiloka, a free smartphone application that uses the Internet to create a real-time uh, a real-time geo-targeted discount platform for businesses. I found this fascinating when I did it. Doug, uh, Doug are you on? I am here. Okay. Uh, How are you doing? Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I found uh, your uh, your application uh, very, very interesting. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. We always like our audience to know a little bit about our guests. A sure thing. Well, I'm, um, I'm an entrepreneur. I've worked in the Internet space for a long time. And um, I've uh, started a few companies. And there's, this is an idea that I really thought would be a cool idea Back before there were smartphones like iPhone and Android phone, but it was kind of impractical to execute before um, before the smartphone revolution. So it's just something that became a possibility in the last few years. Well, th tell us the app. So the app is called Leloca, L-E-L-O-C-A, and the idea is really to um, help local businesses operate more efficiently help and help consumers discover uh, new businesses around them. And the way it works is really simple once once you think about it, and it's kind of surprising that there's nothing that's already doing this, but the way it works is that when a local business, for example, a restaurant, has some extra space in the restaurant, maybe an empty table or two over lunchtime or in the early evening, they can put out a deal, an incentive on Leloca offering people who are in the area of the restaurant, who are near the restaurant, uh, a discount to come in and try the restaurant. So the benefit for them is that the benefit for the local business is that they can fill a table with a customer that was an empty table just when it was an empty table, and they don't have customers coming in, for example, requesting discounts when they're all busy otherwise. And the benefit for users is that users can receive an instant discount on whatever, you know, if they're going out to eat at the moment, they'll get a discount right now. They don't have to buy a voucher. They don't have to pull out their credit card or worry about when they're going to use a voucher. It's very easy, just uh, two clicks and head down to the restaurant that you've chosen. So it's a really simple, elegant system from both sides. When you say geo, does it mean it's like a local area? That's right. So the idea is we want to give... Um, the restaurant, the ability to fill a table that's empty very quickly because they know it's empty now, but it may not be empty in a couple of hours. So the idea is can we incentivize some people, maybe give them 50% off to come in right now and fill that table. So they're able to target users that are nearby. And, and of course, in big cities, there are hundreds or thousands of users within a 30- or 20-minute walk of a restaurant. Well, how do you limit it? I mean, does the restaurant limit it and say, I want it then last in the, uh, in the uh, within a one-mile radius, two-mile radius? Or um, 
it, does the restaurant have the uh, control, or the or does Leiloka have the control? That, that's a good question. We don't. Leiloka doesn't have any control. We've simply built the platform for for the local business to use, and we've given all the control tools to them, so they can control geographically in the city where a, um, a deal might appear for users. They can also control the number of deals that could be issued. So they could say that, you know, we only want to give out three three deals right now, and after three deals, then the offer will turn off. They can also control the time. They can say, we don't want to offer any deal. We only want to offer deals between 6 and 7 p.m., but not after 7 p.m. because we become busy. Um, they have a lot of uh, different controls they can they can offer, and our idea is that they really know well what serves their business. So the best thing we can do is give them a lot of tools and turn them loose. Um, and uh, do, do they they pay you? Is it a how does uh, how does the pricing work? Pricing is um, is that they pay per click. So almost like if you're an internet advertiser advertising your website online, you may pay per click. Um, they pay per click. So it means that once they turn the deal off and nobody's clicking on their offer, they do not pay anything. So what that averages out to be is about $1 per customer. Over time, they end up paying about $1 for each customer that's brought into their business. That's cheap. It's cheap, um, but it's a huge business if we can scale because the local the local economy in the United States is a multi-trillion dollar economy with millions of businesses um, doing tens or hundreds of millions of transactions per day. So uh, we just want to make it a little more efficient and maybe charge a little bit off many different off many transactions. Well, you say restaurants, but can uh, uh, other people use it, like barber shops and beauty salons, or? Absolutely. It's especially well-suited for spas or beauty salons or any kind of business that sort of loses money when a seat goes empty. You lose a, a revenue opportunity on a seat that's sitting empty. It's perfectly suited for the local. Well, you know, uh, um, uh, what's your website? The website is L-E-L-O-C-A. And businesses can go to that website, I'm sorry, L-E-L-O-C-A.com. Businesses can go to Leloka.com to sign up. Uh, users can go to Leloka.com to download. And if you visit Leloka.com from a mobile phone, from an Android or a smart or an iPhone, you'll immediately be sent to the download link. It's very easy to download and very easy to start using for businesses and for users. And if people wanted to contact you directly, how do they do it? Um, you can reach us at sales at leloka.com. Um, that's probably the best way to contact us. Well, you know, Doug, I, uh, when I heard about your uh, app, I just thought it was it was one of the coolest things I've seen in, uh, in, a, in a rapidly developing space. And uh, we wish you good, Thank you. good luck on it. No, Thank uh, you so much. We're super excited about it, um, and I appreciate those kind words. Well, you should be. I think it's um, it's what what every restaurant needs at uh, at some time in their in their uh, in the their uh, uh, cycle. So uh, I think once they hear, thank you very much. Once they hear no, the no. idea, they think, "Wow, that's 
we need that. That's obvious. Why why don't we already have that? So I appreciate that. One of the nice things about it is many of them have young people who are probably more proficient in in, uh, uh, this area than I know I am. Uh, So it would be easy for them to adopt adopt it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's it's got a quick update. (laughs) All right. Come back again soon. Let us know how you're doing. Okay, thanks for having me on. Okay. Thank you, Doug. Uh, I'm particularly happy to welcome our next guest because Bethan Davis uh, is taking on a giant and I think doing a great job doing it. Bethan, are you with us? I am, and I was just thinking I'd love to see Doug's idea go in the airline industry. Wouldn't it be great if it just popped up on your phone that there's a flight to Hawaii with a seat empty and you can get it for 50 bucks? Yes, it would be. (laughs) Uh, but I, like I hate that to, idea. But I hate to be the person that paid two sixty. It'd be <laughs> and it, sitting I next the, to you. <laughs> but if you think about it, uh, if you're in the airport, uh, many a time when I drop somebody off, I I wish I could just dr- park the car and take off with them. You yeah, know? Uh, I think there's something there. Uh, well. Uh, U.S. Air and America have a big problem right now, so uh, maybe this could help them. But I thought it was a yeah. great one. But yeah, let's talk really about, interesting. Well, uh, well uh, I have to admit, I'm getting some really interesting people on, on this program, and uh, you're amongst one of the more interesting ones. Uh, oh. You're competing against Esty, which I frankly did not know anything about until I saw you at the New York show, but my wife knew everything about so uh, um, tell us about SD and then tell us about Craftstar. Okay. Um, shall I give you a little bit of background on how I got involved in it? Well, first give us a little background on yourself. Okay, a little background on myself. Um, I'll try to make it as brief as they did. Um, I'm uh, by profession a radio and TV producer. I've worked in the entertainment industry for over 25 years. Um, 20 of those years, I was living in London. My parents are British, and I went over there when I was 21 for six months and ended up staying for 20 years. Um, I got fed up with the entertainment industry. I was just getting a bit too old for it. And I have a theory that women who don't have children burn out on their careers quicker than those who do because they don't have that other distraction in their life. They don't have that other interest. So it's just career, 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 and I think we get burned out on what we're doing uh, quicker than other women who do raise families. Um, I moved back to Los Angeles to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, I never got my college degree. I was a radio nut in high school, went to a very strict Catholic high school, and was expected to go to university, um, but had convinced the local radio station that I was um, 18 so I could volunteer there when I was 15. Um, Mm. and went straight into radio out of high school. So when I came back to L.A. four years ago, um, first thing I did was registered um, to get my degree. So I got my my first degree at 44 years old. Um, I wanted it, I went after it, and I'm now working on my next one. So um, I came back here and really didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to go back into the entertainment industry, um, but I ended up doing so. I was asked to do a two-week um, consultancy job and helping Ryan Seacrest company set up a new national show for him. 
and that two weeks turned into two years. <laughs> and, um, he's just an absolute genius and was just fascinating to work for. He's just got this innate broadcast ability I've never come across before. Um, but I got very ill and um, had literally had to have life-saving surgery. So I had to leave work and... Um, during my rest, um, got back into crafting. And I've always been a crafter since I was a wee little girl, always been creative, always worked with ideas. And um, I picked up my crafting box, and my mom got me some stuff, and I started making jewelry again. And I heard about this website called Etsy, and um, they sold lots of handmade items. And I joined up, and I started selling my jewelry there. And at the time, they had quite a strong community aspect to the site. They had chat rooms. Um, they had various different components where the community could interact and help build each other's businesses. Um, and uh, the, the crafting community is an interesting community because for the most part, they're either people like I was who had been ill and couldn't work um, so was doing something to keep them busy and making some money on the side. Or they were people who were victims of the economy, whose hobbies then became jobs. Um, their knitting became means of income. Um, or they were retired, and they were trying to supplement their retirement fund. So um, it, it's really, to me, obvious community uh, group of people, the, the crafting world. And while I was on Etsy, um, I made I was doing pretty well there. I made a lot of sales, but they were slowly dismantling this community aspect of it. And they closed down the chat rooms, which was, I mean, it just sounds ridiculous if you weren't part of it, but it was devastating to people. I mean, people who live out in the middle of nowhere, these were their best friends on there. You know, they made... They were there on the chat, in the chat rooms all day long making a lot of sales, making a lot of money, and making a lot of friends. And that was a huge chunk taken out of their life. And Etsy did a couple other moves um, while I was still there that was making it kind of clear to me. I also have a bit of a business background. Um, I was business uh, development director at the BBC for the um, entertainment department for a few years. So I could kind of see that they were moving away from – the smaller crafters, um, and I left. A bunch of us left at the same time. I just kind of got fed up mainly with um, a blind eye being turned to what we call resellers. As a handmaker, a reseller is the devil word. A reseller is somebody who buys um, en masse from China, um, from uh, Eastern Europe, and resells them as handmade. And it's very obvious to us handmakers who are the resellers, um, but not so much to buyers. But resellers, because they're buying these items for a dollar or two dollars, can sell them for a quarter of the price of what it would cost a handmaker to, to sell them for. So it was driving handmakers uh, out of business. Um, and I started getting actually quite angry about it. So first it turned was passion, and then it turned into anger. Then... Um, I was asked by the Home Shopping Network to do a another brief consultation with them, training their hosts and their producers on this new world of broadcasting, where my whole pitch is broadcasting these days is actually a misnomer. You're not broadcasting. You're actually having to have one-on-one -on -one communications with your 
uh, customers. You can't just send out a wide message and hope people pick it up. You know, in these days of Twitter and Facebook, you've got to be very um, focused on what you're trying to get out there. And while I was there um, with the Home Shopping Network, I learned quite a lot about what they call selly telly about the telecommerce world. And I started thinking, okay, so there are several sites out there that sell handmade items, but nobody comes anywhere near Etsy. Etsy's massive. Um, and I was thinking, is there a way that we can build a site that's based on community where the community actually helps each other to build the site um, based on a broadcasting platform? Because what I learned from Home Shopping Network, and the same thing goes for QVC or any of those channels, you have to have a minimum of like 25,000 items to get on air, and there's no way a handmaker is ever going to get to that point um, to be able to get that sort of airtime and that visibility. So I thought we could do that. You know, we can do that through a website. We can give them airtime on camera to sell their items. Um, and we put this all together and actually built the Craft Star, which is my company, um, based on that model. Okay, in the interest of time, you brought okay, the sorry. Craft All right. Now tell us a little bit about your site because we're, we're getting close to our time. So, okay, so. yeah, I talk a lot. I'm so sorry. Um, so the Craft Star uh, is a relatively new company. It's... Um, so handmade goods, uh, vintage finds, and crafting supplies. And the main different, differentiator between us and Etsy is, A, we're a lot smaller, so you as a seller are a lot more visible. B, we're very, very, very uh, strict on the resellers. We don't allow them on site. We close them down the minute they try to open up. And B, we're very community-focused. So we do lots of live um, broadcasts. We go live um, on TV shows online three times a week. Um, we have chat rooms, we have parties, we have, you know, we do as much as we can to bring the community in to help build the site along with our help. So basically, well, we're a small business housing a couple thousand other small businesses. Now, that's a great line. That is a great line. Say it again. We're, the Craft Star is a small business housing a couple thousand other small businesses. So and, that, that's why, and that's why you're on this program. Okay. Because uh, uh, I've, we've looked at it, we've seen, seen some of the some of the things that you, you showed at the New York show. I thought were fascinating. Uh, uh, how can people reach you and and uh, and your site? Um, they can check out thecraftstar.com um, as it sounds. T H E C R A F T S T A R dot com. Um, they can email me directly. My name is Bethan, B-E-T-H-A-N, at thecraftstar.com. Um, and uh, we would love for you to come on board um, as a buyer, as a seller. We do a lot to help our small businesses. Uh, we do weekly shows that we have a different subject every week where we talk to them about how they can help their sales, um, whether it's on photography um, e-commerce is a hard business. You know, you, you've got to sell on sites. People can't touch and feel your things. They've got to to believe in your pitch. So we help our businesses as much as possible with um, growing their businesses because that's beneficial to us as well. Well, um, I've been on your site, and I agree. It has a great value for small business. Again, craftstar.com. Uh, the craftstar. Uh, say it again. TheCraftStar.com. 
uh, I always leave out the the. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, 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 we wish you good luck, and we're going to have you back on uh, when we can have a longer chat. Thank okay, you. I'm sorry I talked so much. Oh, I look well, you, no, to you again. no, it was it was fascinating, but I wanted to get to it because uh, the reason I wanted you on this program is because I think you're a great resource for a lot. Uh, a part of our audience are are, are craftspeople and people with uh, uh, just in your uh, in in your sweet spot. So we wanted you on here. We'll have you, you back again. Much. Thank you. I really look forward to it. Thank you for your time. Uh, We'll be back in a moment uh, after this commercial break with a very interesting guest. Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidents of bullying, stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's protectivecountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video. Welcome back. My name is Donald Mazzella, and this is Small Business Digest. Our next guest is Richard Wildman, whose injunction to small business uh, uh, leaders should be heeded. Richard, are you on with us? Yes, I am, and thrilled to be with you today. Thank you so much. Well, uh, we're glad to have you because uh, uh, you said an interesting thing. Uh, People should uh, sell what their customers want. And that's what really hooked me on bringing you on board. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, And just from a standpoint of commentary, um, I've had the opportunity of working in many industries. Uh, I was an orphan. My first sales job was selling cookware door-to-door, encyclopedia, cemetery plots, family Bibles. Uh, Went on and was involved in the automotive industry. Then I was the head of sales and marketing for the Rob Report when it first began. And um, after all of those uh, various adventures, um, started a consulting firm and started to speak about why we have to understand the consumer's perspective. And what we've seen, particularly since 2008, is a fundamental shift in the way people do business. The small business owner, even the large corporations, the shift in power has gone from the seller to the customer. And so in a a world today, as you know, and many of your guests have been listening to the show intently, information is ubiquitous, it's instantaneous, it's it's inexpensive, and candidly, customers today don't care that you have a great product or years of experience or you're rated number one. Today they have one single focus. Why should I do business with this company? Will it help me accomplish what I want? So that's the shift we've seen. People today no longer want a selling proposition. They know the difference between a proposition and a promise. What they want is a business that believes so strongly in what they can provide that it's willing to make a clear, buyer-centric promise of outcome, upfront, unconditional, and unqualified. My new book, The Power of Why, which, as you know, Dan, has been the 
I've just been selected one of the 10 best business books this year. I'm grateful for that. So many people have have utilized it as a resource. The Power of Why, Breaking Out in the Competitive Marketplace, you can get it, you know, Barnes & Noble, you can get it on Amazon, et cetera. But the reality is in case studies, 55 companies from very small businesses, even even people in the sculpture business, small businesses to massive corporations like Michelin that have had double-digit growth because they're speaking, communicating, and they're selling what people want to buy, which is an outcome. They're not just focused on product. Well, that's an interesting, uh, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show. So many people, uh, particularly on the tech side, develop a product and expect people uh, to want it rather than going the other way around and and trying to figure out uh, what people need. Uh, We see that a lot. That's right. Take an example. The young man you had on with the app, I thought about him instantly when he was speaking. Imagine if he marketed that application to restaurants, fill every seat. How about if he does to nail salons, to all the various ones that he illustrated on the call, the hair salons, and you were good to bring up the spa and other things. Imagine if your promise to the user is make sure no seat goes empty. People are going to be curious. Say, well, how can you how can you make that kind of a promise? Because we're going to give you an app to help you get there. The young lady that was on that was talking about all these crafters. What a great line she had, didn't she? Small, I'm a small business, housing uh, thousands of small businesses. Well, how great was that? I was in the craft business. I wouldn't be talking about my quilts and my crafts if I was making a quilt. I would be marketing myself by and my company by saying, quilts you can be proud of, quilts that will leave a legacy for your family, quilts that will be a legacy for years to come. In other words, speak to an outcome people are going to receive. This is what people look for. They say, why should I do business with this company? I don't care they got years of experience. I don't care that they're number one. What I want to know is what's the outcome? Are they going to help me get what I want? And if we make that promise up front, people respond quickly and Constantly. If you have a restaurant, we make eating out enjoyable, which is a lot better than two for one. People want to have an enjoyable time, as an example. Well, you should be talking to some of the bigger uh, cha- uh, restaurant chains. Uh, they all seem to be competing on price right now rather than on the experience. That's exactly right. And we see it in other ones, too. One of the great news stories right now is what's happened at Men's Warehouse. I mean, this guy started a small business, a very small business, uh, a a tiny business, built it to 1,100 stores with one customer-centric promise, which was, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it. Well, unfortunately, he's been removed as CEO. They have a new CEO in there, and their new ad says, for 40 years, we've helped men dressed like gentlemen. So what's happened is they've taken this wonderful promise, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee it, which allowed this guy to build up, the founder, to build 1,100 stores out of that little tiny small business because people wanted to what? Like the way they look. And now they want to talk about we've been in business 40 years and we're dressing people like gentlemen, and I don't know if you've been following social media on this, but there has been outrage in social media, YouTube, Twitter, I mean, it's just been unbelievable. Their Facebook page has almost crashed because people are like, what happened to the promise you were making to us? We don't care that you have 40 years in the business. Even their new ad campaign 
has created backlash as a result. So it goes to the point of this tremendous shift. So as a small business owner, if you're running a landscape business, you can say, you know, you can have the greatest mowers. That's wonderful. But wouldn't it be better that we're going to give you a, a lawn you can be proud of? Wouldn't it be better if you said that, um, you know, uh, we take care, we will give you uh, the lawn that that uh, stands out in the neighborhood? Or we're going to, you know, if you're in, in the hair care business, there's many things you could do in the hair care business to make a promise about come. We're going to give you a haircut that will make you feel better about yourself. I mean, you and I and all of us, every small business owner needs to think about why do people really want to buy from me? That's why I wrote this book, because it really speaks to the real reason. It's not because we give good service and it's not because we get experience. It's about the outcome. Printer says we have low-cost printing. But when I ask people, we you know we have a consulting firm. We talk to people, and in fact, we talk to a printer. And he said, "Well, they they do this one because of low cost printing." We said, "Okay, well, let's talk to your customers." No, I can tell you right now, that's it. But we asked them, and they said, "Well, no, we don't do business because it's low cost. We do it because it helps you make a profit." Well, which is a better promise? We'll help you make a profit. Tell us again about your book. It's called The Power of Why. Breaking Out in the Competitive Marketplace, came out in April of this year, currently a CEO bestseller read, also uh, just been selected as one of the 10 best business books this year, and we're grateful for that. You can you can buy it on Amazon, you can buy it on uh, uh, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, if you want to just go direct and read more about the book, you can go to power, powerofwhy.net, powerofwhy.net. And uh, it really gives you a framework, a pathway, and how to find the real promise you should be offering to your community as a small business owner, large business owner, but most importantly, how to take that message and get it in the marketplace so you're seen as distinct, not just different, because you don't want to be different. To be different, I have to compare you, but if you're distinct, you're set apart from all others. You want your small business to be set apart from every other small business that's in your competitive geographic space. And if people wanted to, to contact you directly, how would they do it? They can reach me directly by, through our corporate website, which is Richard, and I'll spell the last name for you. It's Richard, all one word, Richard Weilman, W-E-Y-L-M-A-N, 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 dot com. So just send Richard at richardweilman.com. I receive all those emails. I will respond to you. Also, if you want to inquire about how you can get your promise right, uh, I speak at a lot of conferences, as you know. You can reach us at 1-800-535-4332. 1-800-535-4332. Another way to remember, 1-800-535-IDEA. We have offices from Honolulu, Boston, L.A., and our corporate offices is in Florida, and we've now recently opened an office in Canada as well to help firms of all sizes find their brand promise and then be able to stick to it and, most importantly, elevate their performance in today's marketplace. Really, thank you, for Richard, for being on. I learned a lot. I see my engineer in there uh, uh, nodding his head in agreement. Thank you for coming on board. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for hosting and for the invitation. It's been a privilege. We'll talk to you again. We'll look forward to it. Thank you. Our next guest is going to be, my engineer is going to put him on board right now. 
fun. I'm, I'm so glad it's Andrea because I've been looking forward to this. Andrea, are you on board? I am. It's so nice to talk to you. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, you. It's, you know, this is a- Andrea Gelbert. She's S- Senior Vice President of Marketing for On Deck. Uh, they threw a survey across my desk last week that really uh, sent me back, and I immediately asked them uh, to send somebody, and they sent you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm Andrea- glad they did. <laughs> Uh, Andrea, first, we always ask our guests a little bit about themselves. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Essentially, I've been a marketer for my whole career, focused on the small business sector. Uh, I joined On Deck um, a little less than a year ago. Prior to that, I was at an early stage e-commerce company and then spent the prior 15 years at American Express um, and spent my time in marketing and strategy in the uh, B2B-oriented division. So I focused on the small business sector and um, in terms of credit cards as well as the merchant side of the business. Well, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about OnDeck, first of all. So OnDeck, we are a technology platform that provides working capital loans to small businesses. Our typical uh, business owner is a Main Street business or a storefront type business. Um, They've been in business for more than a year, and they're really looking for shorter-term working capital loans ranging anywhere from $5,000 to $250,000. We loan to over 700 industries in all 50 states, and our range of terms is anywhere from three months to 18 months. Uh, Do you provide the loans, or are you an intermediary? No, no, we, we provide the loans. Okay. Um, now, tell us a little bit about the survey. Uh, then I'm going to ask you uh, for uh, some tips that uh, uh, small businesses should know before uh, uh, starting the loan process. Sure. So we have a lot of interaction with small business owners, uh, our customers, as well as people that we're trying to reach. And we wanted to find out you know, what what their mood was, what, their, what get a pulse on how they felt about the economy and their business and their ability to support the growing needs of their business. And so what we found in the survey was that, in general, small business owners believe the economy is better. 73% of the people we surveyed said that the economy is getting better. And they are expecting to increase their employee count, and they want to grow, but their number one challenge is access to capital. And the reason for that, and one of the reasons why our business has really uh, taken off and while we're breaking new ground is that the traditional lenders and banks have just failed to provide capital to small business owners. So what we found in our survey was that of the 55% of the small business owners that were seeking financing, 82% of them had been denied by their bank. And even worse, I think, is that of the 45% that did not seek financing, two-thirds of them didn't, not because they didn't need the capital, because they didn't think that they could get approved. And, and that's really the mission that On Deck is on, you know, to, to make people more aware of these alternative sources of financing like, like ours 
and make people aware that the process doesn't have to be so painful. The challenge in the bank situation is that you need mountains of paperwork. It takes a ton of time. And by the time your opportunity that you're trying to pursue, hiring the individual, buy some new equipment, take advantage of a, a discount on inventory, by the time you hear about whether or not you're going to get approved by the bank, that opportunity has passed you by. Uh, the, the technology that we have developed at OnDeck allows us to make a decision in minutes and fund you in as fast as two business days. Really? Really. Oh, okay. So now uh, I'm a small business. Uh, w what should I be doing to prepare to make uh, to better uh, to improve my chances of obtaining a loan from you or from anybody? Sure. So I think that there are, there are about three things that, that I was thinking about in preparation for this discussion that I think small business owners can do. The, the first one is that the small business owner can make sure that their credit bureaus, their business credit bureau data is accurate and also reflects the most recent activity that, that you've had. So, for example, maybe you had a lien on your business, but it's been satisfied. Sometimes it takes the credit bureau's time to correct all of that, to, to make that uh, reflect in the bureau data, and you want to make sure that all of that data has been updated. Um, the second thing that you can do is make sure you watch your credit utilization as well as your uh, payment delinquencies. So if you have uh, several trade lines out, that's okay, but high utilization on all of them you know, can, can be a bit of a red flag. Uh, the other thing is that people should know that if you're more than 90 days delinquent, on any of those trade lines, uh, trade line payments, that that's likely to get reported back to the to the business bureau. And then the third thing that you can do is make sure that you have a healthy bank balance with predictable deposits and withdrawals. Um, this is especially true for us because we're providing a working capital loan for a short-term investment opportunity uh, that we believe um, is is in the best interest of your business because you think that you've got a real ROI for it. Uh, such as inventory and the like. And so having a consistent cash flow is important to us. And then the last thing specific to On Deck is that we oh, we provide financing to businesses that are have been in business for at least a year. Um, so we're not focused on the startup sector. Well, do you require a personal guarantee? We, we require a, a personal guarantee, yes. Uh, that's always one. Uh, uh, we have long... Uh, at Small Business Digest, argued, uh, um, uh, urged, the last thing you want to do is give a personal guarantee. Um, it, it, it's a strong point. Um, but we've noticed over the years that that's really become one of the most contentious part of the process. And how do you handle that? You know, I think from our perspective, we are in the in the position of making a credit decision, and we're providing the business owner with an unsecured uh, unsecured loan. And so, from our perspective, again, this is you're interested in taking out a a loan from us. You you really have a purpose in mind. You you know you what you want to invest in. You're the the restaurant who wants to buy outdoor furniture so that you can expand your seating. You're the barbershop who has a backlog of business and you know if you bought another chair you could and hire a new employee you could get your throughput higher. So from our perspective, having a purpose for the loan should mitigate the concern regarding a personal guarantee. Well, let me ask you a different question. How do you charge for it on, on uh, interest rates? How do you uh, – is there a sliding scale based or is it a flat rate? We charge um, a simple – they're simple interest loans. 
And on average, we charge about 15 cents on the dollar for a six-month term, as well as a small origination fee. The other thing about our loans, which we think is really beneficial to the small business owner, is that we try to, because we're focused on cash flow, uh, avoid the, the small business owner having big balloon payments at the end of the month. And we, we uh, delivered and pioneered the technology to create, to take that, that interest and take the loan and divide it into small daily payments. So it's just a daily debit that comes out of your account for the full, for, for the, for, during the term of the loan. Okay. Um, uh, do you use as a decision criteria um, uh, Dun & Bradstreet and the other uh, services? We incorporate over 100 data points from a dozen integrated data service providers. So uh, we do look at bureaus. We look at all kinds of, of, of data that business owners are now generating through the electronic footprint that they, that they, um, that they use. Okay. Um, what do you see as the outlook for uh, the next uh, 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 next six months in terms of business lending? Not, we'll talk about your company in a minute, but in general, I think that there's a there's a huge opportunity both on the on the the small business main street area that that we uh, focus on, but in addition. You know, it is something that the that the SBA is focused on. How how to deliver more capital to to Main Street is a is a focus for a lot of people. And I think the reason why that is is because people are optimistic about the economy, and people like On Deck, companies like On Deck, want to support Main Street and its ability to grow. Uh, how do you see the outlook for your own company in the next uh, over the next uh, six months? I mean, we're growing rapidly. We to, to date, our company was founded in 2007. We've deployed over 500 million dollars in in loan facilities, and we we're expecting well over 100 percent year over year growth this year. Wow. Um, what types of businesses are turning to you for? Uh, um, uh, loans. Do you, right. do you see a trend? We don't. We have a we have a full range, and and people come to us for a variety of reasons. We have doctors and dentists. You know, people who are in the the, the type of business where they probably could could get a, a, a bank loan um, choose us because we're fast and convenient, and they you know time is the most precious commodity that small business owners have, and many business owners just do not have the time to spend, you know, the week preparing the loan documents and then the week going back and forth with the with the bank and then the three weeks to wait on the decision of the loan. So we have everybody from doctors and dentists to um, hardware stores to, yeah, we have a lot of restaurants. So I was interested in the earlier discussion on restaurants. Uh, we really span the gamut. You know, we're covered 700 different industries. Wow. Um, I want to keep you on a little bit, a bit longer because you're, you're so good. But first, I'd, I'd love to go to a, a commercial. Um, would you mind waiting? Sure, not at all. Uh, let's go to a commercial, and then we'll be back with Andrea. Just how dangerous is social networking? Use of websites like Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are all the rage. But what are the downsides of this new technology? The incidence of bullying, Stalking, harassment, and inappropriate content are increasing. Just how dangerous is it? What can you do to protect your child and yourself from it? 
Go to protectivecountermeasures.com for a free hour-long video on the dangers of social networking. That's protectivecountermeasures.com for your free hour-long video. Andrea, we're back with you. We would like you to stay out a couple of minutes longer if you have time. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Uh, uh, the world today uh, for small businesses is uh, uh, one of regulatory uh, uh, pressure. They're facing uh, health care insurance benefits changes. Um, what has your company seen uh uh, in the, in any of the areas, in any of the feedback they're getting from their their uh, from your uh, customers, do you see any trends? The trends we've seen is is that the the challenges, and this came up in the survey that we did. You know, the top three challenges that business owners are facing have much more to do with growing their business. It's how do I get access to capital? How do I grow my sales? And then how do I effectively deal with taxes? Which I think is it gets to some of the, the trending that you're talking about, which, you know, taxes, some of dealing with taxes is just a, figuring out the complications of the tax code and, and trying to make sure that that business owners are, are doing what is required and necessary uh, and doing it efficiently to, to file their taxes. Uh, do, do you, do you uh, for instance, at tax time, do you get a surge in applications to pay the taxes? We haven't seen... That I would say uh, we we also um, I think respect respect small business owners' time and try to um, try to make sure that we we're, we're we're focused less and just from a marketing perspective right around tax time and we try to talk to them you know earlier or afterwards. Well. Um, I, I'm finding it fascinating because you're a trove of information. I mean, I'm happy to get the word about word out about on deck because we're really providing a, a service um, to to small business owners and in a way that traditional lenders have have not. You know, one of the things that I think is great about what OnDeck is doing is is that we're thinking about the end to end customer experience for small business owners. You know, um, getting getting a loan from a traditional bank, like I've, I've alluded to, can feel like getting a tooth pulled and and for us, you know, 93% of our, our customers say that they would recommend us. Uh, we get all kinds of unsolicited feedback from our, our customers saying, thank you, you made this such a pleasant experience. And that's because we're respecting our customers, uh, small business owners' time. Um, you know, we really try to make it a, um, a pleasant experience and allow them to get the loan from us and apply for the loan in whatever way is most convenient for them. They can call us. They can go online and never talk to a person and still get a loan. Uh, they can even fax us. Some, some some business owners still feel more comfortable using the fax. And, and you know, our interest is in, you know, figuring out how we can loan more money. We We actually want to say yes to small business owners, and we're always looking for ways to say to say yes to 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 do it faster um, and to make it a simpler process. Well, uh, it's OnDeck.com? Correct. What about the name OnDeck? How did that come about? 
my understanding is that it came about uh, in the way that we we are on deck for you. You know that we are here when you need uh, when when you need capital. Uh, come to us. We're, we're on deck. You know when when the when the bank says no, we'll say yes. Uh, from my perspective, we've evolved. That was that was many years ago, but we've evolved to the point where we we are now often the first choice. People come to us first. Uh, but the, the, that's the legacy. That's the legacy of the name. You could tell the company was founded by men. <laughs> that is that is a true statement. <laughs> that is a true statement. But uh, we're really excited about what we're doing, and we have we have men, we have women uh, as our customers and as employees. So um, we we we're happy to support everybody. <laughs> well, um, if again. Uh, uh, you're a fascinating guest. Uh, uh, t- tell us, uh, compare the background. You're working for a relatively small company versus the big American Express. Uh, what differences are there that you see? Well, the, one of the things that attracted me to On Deck was its uh, belief in customer. And in, in that regard, I think, um, on deck is very similar to American Express. That that on deck is really focused on providing a first rate customer experience and holds holds itself to a, a high uh, high brand standard. You know the the attraction for me in coming to on deck was the opportunity to really build a brand in a fast moving business at a fast pace where where you have the opportunity to make a very large difference and a mandate. You know we're trying to um, we're trying to do this quickly. We, our vision is to transform the way small business owners access capital, and that's uh, very different than at, a, at an established brand uh, like American Express, which is 150 years old and has a brand new reputation to live up to. Um, you, know, you, you look at the world differently when you are focused on activities to live up to a brand versus uh, coming to a place like On Deck and working to establish a brand. We, we want On Deck to be a household name, to to small business owners across the United States. Well, let me ask you a different question. If I thought I heard in your background that you went to a startup. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I hear that right? I did. What um from from a big company to a little company, what adjustments did you have to make? Honestly, I I was really I think ready to move to a, a smaller company, but there are definitely adjustments that you have to make. I went from a company where I um, was in a, I had a, had my own office, um, we had business dress to a much more casual environment, a totally open plan where no one had an office. Um, you don't have the same level of of resources around you, so um, you have to be much scrappier in a in an early early stage environment that. There, there aren't whole teams of people doing whole functions for you the way there are at uh, large companies. So you have to kind of go back to basics in some ways and say, all right, what's, it forces you to focus on the most important things and the highest leverage ideas. Well, uh, uh, our, our other guest hasn't show, shown up, but I'm not going to keep you much okay. longer, Andrea. I, I really appreciate it again. Uh, it's ondeck.com. If they wanted to talk to you directly or to somebody, how did they do it? Uh, they can. Uh, the, the easiest way would probably be to email marketing at ondeck.com. Okay. Uh, we look forward to it, and uh, we'll be back to you uh, 
to come back on a program maybe towards the end of the year when we can look at the, the future 2014. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Have a good evening. And thank you for being so patient with us. <laughs> no worries. Take care. Well, that's it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for uh, listening to us. Uh, all, all our guests are invited because they offer actionable information and advice to our audience. If you'd like to hear uh, what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. We're at uh, blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you'd like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, put, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web uh, and uh, via our magazine. You can also subscribe for a print copy by going to our website. Until next time, this is Don Mazzella, and this is Small Business Digest Radio. Good day. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.